And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, made and angry. Hear that co-host shouting. It's Dander and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling, a very, very special edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling. Uh, Paul Dander Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic, of course, back with you. But we're, we're bringing back our two-on-two series that we did this offseason with a bunch of different coaches within the Bengals organization because we thought this week was an opportunity for the perfect two-on-two. And that was two absolute offensive line legends, not just in Bengals history, but in NFL history, were able to come join us on a big weekend for both of them, but specifically for Willie Anderson and also Andrew Whitworth joining us. What's up, boys? How we doing? What's going on? Good to be here, man. How you doing? I'm doing doing good. Yeah, thanks Uh, for doing this. Yeah, we're really excited about this because uh, I got to tell you, First of all, I want to give you guys a proper introduction. I don't, you know, Bengals have a bunch of new fans now. I don't know if you guys know this. Like they have this whole wave of people that have showed up that wear nine and one jerseys. Um, they might not know you guys as they should. So I want to make sure I give a proper introduction to the new fans that are, that listen to our podcast. Andrew Whitworth, 2021 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year, Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, 16 NFL seasons, 11 of them with the Cincinnati Bengals and now working for Amazon on Thursday Night Football. Willie Anderson, 13 NFL seasons, 12 in Cincinnati, four Pro Bowl, three All-Pro, Hall of Fame finalist, and on Thursday night will be inducted into the Bengals' Ring of Honor. That is how you read a couple of people into a segment. That, <laughs> wait, that's our, those are resumes right there. Congrats, boys. Appreciate it. Willie just uh, blocked us. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pictures, no, I said, please. Like, no, I said, man, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of the younger fans know who Andrew Whitworth is. You know what I mean? Uh, him being playing recently and, and, and being at the high level he played, he, he kind of carried these bingles through the 2010s, man. So, um Likewise, when I hear a lot of people say they became Bengal fans because of uh, when Chad came on the scene, the, the 2010s were, were led by Andrew Whitworth and the, and the renaissance of the Bengals. Uh, their winning ways started with you know with him and his career, and he ended in, in um, you know when he ended his career and played with the Rams. And so I think more of the younger kids, younger fan base, knows exactly who Whitworth is. <laughs> There's no question. I, I want to one thing uh, I wanted to say is I've always been really you know taken back by the parallels in your two careers and it, just because the way they went you, you came through Cincinnati we saw them both happen but you know will you go from Alabama to Auburn 
Wait, you go from Louisiana, you, you go to LSU. You're both early picks of the Bengals. You have long careers. You're both all pro players. You both exit Cincinnati late in your career and play well elsewhere. You both played extremely well early in your career without the recognition due to the market size and, and that the teams kind of struggled. You're both prized pupils of Paul Alexander. Ne- neither of you guys won a playoff game until you left Cincinnati. You're rock stars off the field and leaders in the locker room. And most importantly, you're great with us. Yes. Uh, you know, but that it's amazing the parallels. I'm curious, Wit, what do you remember about when you first met Willie and, and how did he in his career kind of affect you? Well, I think when you play in college, obviously it's it's a lot of passion and uh, you know, you're out there just rah-rah playing football, uh, using your size and strength and stuff to just lean on people uh that usually aren't as big as you. But then when you get to the NFL, you realize what a pro's game it is and really what it takes every week to have a process to how you're going to block people and get your body prepared. And I think when I met Willie and just watched how he went about his process every week in training camp and kind of had how he was going to do things to get through, not just, you know, a practice, but every, every, every day of camp. And he had kind of a mentality of how he took care of himself. Um, I realized quickly that I wasn't just uh, running around out the tunnel in, in Death Valley anymore, that uh, I was playing a man's game. And, I think that's really the first thing. I think I, I shared this story last week, but one of the uh, first times that I actually, you know, probably had like some interaction with Willie is I don't think we'd really talked that much when I was in OTAs other than him giving me like some pointers and stuff. But I can remember our first week in camp. I won't name these guys, but some of the knuckleheads on the team uh, hit me up like, hey, I was going to be like our first day off. And they hit me up with doing something just, I don't know, crazy that I was like, I, I don't know if I've ever heard people actually do that. And, then, uh, <laughs> and I can remember Willie just kind of sitting in his locker and he like looks over at me and he's like, you're not in the SEC anymore, huh? And I was like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but I literally will never forget that moment because uh, I could tell he was just like, this kid just got blown away. He didn't even know this existed. This is like this <laughs> Welcome to the world moment right here. <laughs> hey, hey, some great knuckleheads, though. They, they were some great uh, knuckleheads, though. <laughs> they were great knuckleheads. <laughs> they got it in, though. <laughs> Willie, what do you what do you remember about you have a, do you have a favorite do you have a favorite wit story, Willie? I just remember um like every rookie, like Wit came my my eleventh year in the league. You know, his body was fresh. I mean, he would leave practice and 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 like like most rookies do, like I told Levi Jones the same story, same same thing. He came in when you're a rookie, your body feels so fresh, and you don't know what it means to, you know, to have to go soak in an ice bath or get some stretching in because your body's fresh. Like we can we can go through two a days, and he bounced right back. Meanwhile, old guy like me, I'm struggling leaving the locker room, trying to get stretched out, getting cold tape, getting cold tub, and all the different things. And I told him, I said, Hey man, one day you're going to do this. He was like, Yeah, right. Like you just. He didn't say it, but I knew he was just like, you're just old. But to see how he's taking care of his body for 16 years, I, I, I know the things he's doing right now. He's doing exactly the same things that that I did at an older age. And he's way much older than I was still playing, but I can see him doing the same thing with the younger players now. And to see and to know that he's reciprocated that kind of love and interaction with younger guys throughout the league on several different teams, it, it makes, me, makes me understand that you know, the things I told him were, were important. He took heed to him because a lot of times, a lot of young guys don't do that, and you see their careers are cut short four, five, six years. For him to play sixteen years, two different teams, and all the games he played, that means a lot to me because you know he knows um, my main thing was being available every game. Now 
he also knows I wasn't practicing a whole lot when I got older. <laughs> and I think he'll tell you too, you know, once you get old, once you get past year 10, the practice thing is like, come on, like it's, it's not relevant. <laughs> but just your mind and being able to show up week after week for games is a, is a big plus and a big, um, I think it's a big characteristic of, of a great lineman, just being able to play that long and show up every Sunday, which we both did. You talked about that um, welcome to, or you're not in the SEC moment. Uh, was there were there any specific hazing moments that you remember from from Willie when you were a rookie, or you remember what that that rookie dinner was like? That how much he took you for? No, I mean I think that's one of the coolest things that I've always respected Willie for, not just from the amazing player he was and the leader he was in the locker room, but really what started with him. And it's funny you don't, you don't think about like your effect over the years uh, that you have on players and generations of players. And um, Willie was never that kind of guy. We never did any of that kind of stuff. Um, and that carried on with me. I mean, there's not a rookie that ever had like true rookie hazy. I mean, sure, we made a rookie go get some breakfast or something, but uh, not nothing to where that you'd ever call it hazing or like the big meals and all the stuff where you're trying to crush people. Um, it just didn't exist, you know? And, and so I think for us, it was always more of a, our rookies, it was like, hey, we're going to help you. We're going to be there for you. But, like, show some appreciation for it. Like, do some things that, you know, whether it be grab some breakfast for guys if we're traveling or, you know, take us to dinner one time. You know, and, like, let's you just you just cover dinner. Not, not anything different than what we'd normally if we all went to eat, you know, and had a big meal. But you cover the dinner or something more as a appreciation for the help that you're getting, you know, and showing us. I think really to me, I think one of the things Willie and I used to always talk about and these young guys hopefully got it was – I look at those things not like hazing. I look at those things like when you're a rookie and you've never really played in a game, how do I know how to trust you that you'll do your job and you'll be responsible when you get in the game? And if you can do the little things like bringing breakfast on a Friday when we ask and bringing it the way we ask it, like what guys actually want to eat, like that gives me a little more faith that when you get in the game and you're playing left guard beside me and it's a TE on third down, like you're not going to just forget to knock the T out and like, not pass the game off. Like I, I used to tell young guys, like this is your chance to prove to guys that like you, it means something to you and that you're trustworthy. And those kind of things carried on throughout my entire career, you know, and really, really Willie was the person who started it by influencing me in that way. Yeah. With me, um, you know, with me, it was Joe Walter, like Joe Walter. I tell folks, my rookie deal, my rookie dinner bill was $1,600. I was the first round <laughs> pick. I was the first, I was the first rookie, first round pick the Bengals had had in like, I think ten plus years. I'm crazy. Those guys could have easily took advantage of me, but they didn't. And a guy like Joe Walters, I tell the story all the time. Joe, after my first start against Chris Dolman, I did real well. My second week, I got worked over at Riverfront by Clyde Simmons, <laughs> and it was a big article in the paper. Like, you know, is this guy gonna be a bust? And you guys know Bengals media back then it was it was crazy. <laughs> and um, I remember watching the film, watching the film on Monday, and you know, guys kind of side out looking at you like, okay, is he going in the tank? And I remember, I remember at Spinney Field, walking in my car, leaving practice, and Joe Walters walking out with me and said, hey, man, we're going to need you the rest of the season. Don't, you know, don't go in the tank. This stuff happens to every rookie. Every every young lineman go through these days. And, the, you know, the, the thing you got to be able to show now is can you bounce back from these type of days? And I was like, you know, Joe Walters didn't really know me at that point. I was a young guy. And so he didn't know. You know, in my heart, I knew better than to go in the tank. I wasn't, I wasn't going in the tank, but yeah. for him to walk out there and follow me to my car and put his hand around me and console me, I was a Joe Walter fan forever. So in our in our meeting room, 
I kind of reciprocated that kind of love to every young guy that comes in. Like we, we didn't haze, we didn't haze guys, and we didn't. You know, Paul set a good example up of. You know, Paul even said it like, if I catch, he said it when I was young. <laughs> he said, if I catch one of you old guys, you know, telling a rookie or telling a young guy the, the wrong stuff, I'm cutting your ass. And you know what I mean. <laughs> and so he kind of set the example of the older guys in the room. We we help the younger guys. You know what I mean. When I was there, I I, I taught and, and coached more guys, just many guys than Paul did. When I left, Paul told me all the stories about Wit coaching the whole damn room. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to Baltimore, and guys were like, they couldn't they couldn't believe that I was helping and coaching them because they said, man, you know, in the past, the great players around here they didn't really talk to guys and help guys out. And I was like, damn, like huh. Wit would tell you, we I, we trained up Stacey Andrews, my backup. Who the Bengals end up cutting me for? That's the way it goes, right? That's the environment in our room, man. And I, I think we all carried that, and it was just great to see the success that we had for so long because of we we passed that kind of love down, you know, year after year. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Cincinnati is a unique place to play for an NFL player. It's different than anywhere else. You know, I, we always joke about when, when we're at the owners' meetings, covering the owners' meetings, and a vote comes back thirty-one to one. We know we got to go talk to Mike, right? That's just the, it's it's just diff, just different. And you guys, no two people might be able to better discuss this because the the challenges of not just playing in Cincinnati for as long as you did, but being such part of central leadership. I mean, wit, you, you know, you you were financial advisor, you were connected to the league, you were like trainer. To to the entire team. I mean, you were more than just locker room leader. You were everything. You know, guys would be coming and sitting next to you talking about Lord knows what every day. When, when people ask you what makes the experience unique, and that good, bad, otherwise, of playing in Cincinnati, what, what do you tell them? Wait, I'll start with you. I think really if you take the opportunity to embrace it, um, you know, it's really, truly, you know, almost – I wouldn't say a college atmosphere, but a family atmosphere. I mean, if you really embrace it, the, the, the benefit to being smaller and to being kind of where, hey, there is not a lot of things to go to outside of playing here um, is that you do get to create some of those special bonds and be there for guys in, in moments of their life that you would have never guessed. Like, I mean, you know, I, I always tell people, like, it's like crazy to go down the list of like, you know, whether it was a guy coming to becoming a dad for the first time or, or asking somebody to marry them or something going on with their mom and dad or their family and financial stuff. Like you said, I mean, just all the different things that I've had conversations with sitting in that locker room um, are, th are so cool. I never got a chance to meet Paul Brown, but Anthony Munoz used to always 
tell me stories about how that's all Paul was, is he would come sit in the locker room with a cup of coffee and just visit with guys like about life and people and stuff like that. And so that always resonated with me. It's like that, that's an opportunity in that locker room to not always rush yourself out of there. And that was another thing Willie told me, like I used to, when I was a rookie, I would sprint out of the locker room every day. I mean, I was <laughs> gone the second we got done with something. And he'd always be like, dude, one day, like you're going to have, you know, you're going to have to take some time and invest in the other stuff. And, and I think I finally, when I, that hit home and I realized it, it and I embraced it, it really became Cincinnati became such a special place because I was so invested in every guy in the locker room, not just as football players, but as people. And I think that's one of the unique things you get the chance to do. Like playing in L.A., I know for five years, our guys live an hour from each other, every all over the place. So, I mean, you, you hardly ever see your teammates. Uh, and we have a tiny, tiny facility. It's a temporary facility. So locker room's tiny. There's no space. There's nowhere to sit and talk. So you don't have any of those kind of opportunities. And I, I think for me, I really, once I got to L.A., realized how special that was to be in that tight-knit group and have that space together. Who would have, who would have ever thought the, rent, the, the Bengals facilities and, and environment is better than the Los Angeles Rams? <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they're still there. I mean, shoot, I, it was funny. is When I signed in L.A. five years ago, they, they were, like, talking about all this unbelievable nice facility they were going to have. I think they're another five years from that happening still, probably. So uh, that temporary building, you know, it ends up uh, being cheap and working out pretty good. Wow. Well, we, the good thing you didn't experience Spinny Field. Like, that's a whole, that's a whole, that's a whole topic, right? Oh, my God. I no, love Spinny Field stories. I just experienced the gravel yard and uh, all the dust we got every day. That, that was good. Yeah. My, my favorite is that the, the buses used to drive by and the kids would lean out and yell, you suck out of the buses because they were going right by there. Like, no, no. Or, or, or land on the grass at Spinny Field. And your ear inside of your face burning because a chemical plant is dumping chemicals <laughs> onto the field. And the big was saying, Oh, this stuff's been tested. It's been tested. I'm like, Well, why the hell is my that's my face burning. Wait, you just had to deal with you just had to deal with the fumes coming off the hilltop concrete plant. So, oh man. Not nothing like breathing that on a big Wednesday. Yeah, right. It's always always good to breathe that gravel. <laughs> it's uh, funny what, how all this good. Oh, go. I was just all this negative stuff, and you guys look back on it fondly. And um, just, just curious, you know, Willie, you you referenced it. They they cut you for your replay in training camp two thousand eight for Stacy. Um, you you leave, you go to Baltimore, you come close to the Super Bowl. You you know you get to the AFC Championship game. Wit, we all know how your time here ended. I'm just curious. What that was like for you guys uh, leaving the, the franchise that drafted you under not ideal circumstances? How long did it take? You guys understand it's a business, but but how long did it take for kind of fences to mend, so to speak, where you guys felt like you were back in back in good standing with with the Bengals organization? Uh, I go first with it. It took me. I was I was crushed. I'm not gonna lie, I was crushed. Like to the point to where when I was in Baltimore. I didn't want to leave the hotel. I was they had me staying in the hotel. I was like, okay, this this can't be real. Like they, they cut me. Like, and um, it took me a while. And you know, even I played that year. I'm not gonna lie, I played that year, 2008, with a bunch of damn hate in my heart. I'm not gonna lie to you. All I wanted to do was show the Bengals I was still playing at a Pro Bowl level. And so I'm gonna tell you what happened to me. So I'm thinking for sure I'm going to the Pro Bowl. I'm gonna show their ass. They didn't cut me. I'm still playing at a high level. And the freaking Ravens PR department with, they forgot to put my name on the Pro Bowl balloting. Oh. And it took Rex Ryan come to tell me, 
He said, yo, man, it's effed up what they did. I said, what are you talking about, Rex? He said, man, they didn't put your name on the Pro Bowl ballot. I was crushed. Like, crushed. So, about 2008 season, like, and the guys, they, they, they apologized to me for about three weeks. But, after I got, after I retired, you know what I mean, I, you know, I was on that. I retired on the bus after the Baltimore game. We played that that game was probably the most physical football game, the most violent game I've ever been into. And I was just like, I can't do it anymore. Like I don't, I don't have a desire to. I tried in the off season. I said I can't train. I can't get myself to train that way anymore. Like it's hot out here. I don't. I don't it's, too, it's too damn hot out here. So, so the Bengals. I remember Marvin called me one time, and he said, "All right, man, would you come up to the Bengals Ravens game?" I said, all right, Marvin. He said, but who are you cheering for? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. So I probably shouldn't come up there. <laughs> but, but it took me until about, I'm not going to lie, man. It took me until about 2016. I'm going to tell you what happened with me. The fans on the fans on Twitter and social media changed my mind. Yeah. Like, the, like, as a player, you never know. Like, there was no social media around when I got cut. Mm-hmm. So, you didn't see the reactions of the fans when that happened. Like, when Whit left, we all saw it, and we saw people ready to ride and, and ready to, you know, tear the damn town down. But when I left, like, I didn't see any of that. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't see the comments until, like, five years later. I saw some old articles. I seen fans complaining. I was like, well, damn, I, I never seen this part right here. And it took the fans, man, like, kind of calming me down. And I, I say all the time, I regret that a lot of my teammates and Whit know this. They're not on social media, so they don't see the love and admiration that our fans have for us. So you never, get, you never get a chance to feel that. Like I think Corey Dillon needs to feel that. A lot of guys I know need to feel that. Like you know, and I understood that in 2017. By then, I was calm. I, I, I mean, the Bengals had been trying to get me back up here. They've been doing things for us in the off season. And, and it kind of started in 17, and I kind of let that thing go because the fans showed me so much love and appreciation because I always cheered for the players. Like, I was just as mad as hell when Andrew Whitworth didn't make Pro Bowls. So I'm like, damn, he's going through the same stuff I freaking went through. Hmm. And so I was never mad at the players. I was just I was more heartbroken. I think more guys leave here heartbroken because we can't say Mike Brown never took care of us, like, Mike paid me three times. He probably paid Witt three times. He gave Carson a freaking hundred million dollars. So he was he took care of us. But you know, it's a business, but it took me a while until about 15, 17, 2016, 17, you know, I kind of let that thing go. And um, you know, it's all love right now. That's great. You win. Uh, yeah, I'm well, Willie got 10 years, so I get 10 years. No, yeah, well, I was gonna say, you should, so you're still in the window of frustration. You're still in the window. <laughs> I think for me, um, it was obviously tough. I, you know, but what's kind of funny is like it all, it, it, you know, and I've shared this before on some other podcasts, but for me, it was kind of like, you know, where, where for Willie, I think it ended kind of abruptly and it was like, whoa, what just happened? Like they got through camp and it's like, hey, we're going to make a move. And so I, I can see like, why it lasted longer because of that. But for me, the year before in 14, I had gone through a season, not giving up a sack and like nine pressures or something crazy. And I go to them and I had one year left of my deal. And I was like, look, I've never been in this situation before here ever. And I appreciate y'all for that, but I'd like to not enter a season and not know what my future is. I think I've earned that with what I've been here for this organization. And, um, they didn't really get back to me. They just said, yo, let's think about it. That was in January when the season ended. 
And then we go to that draft and you draft, you know, two left tackles in your first two picks, first, second round. I don't know how many franchises have ever done that. Uh, and it's like, all right, well, I guess I got my answer. Uh, so I can remember like going in and meet with Mike and like to give him credit, like he was literally like, hey, this is what we decided to do. And we expect you to still be you and and, and we're going to probably go forward with these two guys. And so I was like, you know, I wasn't happy about it by any means. Um, but I was like, all right, I, I can respect you at least just told me exactly the plan. So then we got to that bye week the next year, uh, eight, no, you know, Hugh Jackson dialing it up and we're eight, no. And funny enough, like, you know, me, I'm, I'm always crunching numbers and that's always my deal. My, my actual salary hit for my signing bonus that I'd signed on my last contract, eight weeks worth was exactly what I would have owed them if I retired and walked away. And so I wrote Mike a letter and just said, look, man, I mean, this is where I'm at. This is the history of my existence here as a Bengal and all the things we've been through together. And I've loved every minute of it. Um, but the same way that you have the right to move on to two young kids, um, I have the right to walk away if it feels like it's going to make me so angry and frustrated that like, I feel like I'm a bad dad. I feel like I'm a bad leader. Like I'm just angry and I'm still here. And so I just, I felt like, you know, I needed to tell him that and get it off my chest. And then he basically next day, as soon as he reads my letter is like, Hey, you know, let's fix this situation and do an extension. That's why out of nowhere, I signed a one year extension that year. Um, and I can vividly remember like, you know, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm over it now and we've moved past it. We visited like we're cool, but I can remember Troy and Katie, like we're basically like that's between you and Mike. And I was like, yeah. all right. So <laughs> the next year you come around and it's like, you're still balling. You're still playing great. And Oh, by the way, we don't think we want to go forward with these young guys. We'd love for you to stay, you know? And it was like, that was the first time in my career I'll never forget it. Uh, we were away in a hotel and Troy asked me when I wanted to talk. And I said, I got an agent named Pat Dye. <laughs> first time ever you can call him. <laughs> and uh, that's that's because I wanted to go through the free. At that point, I was like, I'm going through free agency. Well, here we are. We're here. I'm two months away. I'm going to go through it and see what happens. And, you know, and the rest was kind of history after that. Wow. That's it's crazy. You know, but it's it, – it's such a business, and this happens. I've wanted to write a book about retirement, and there's no perfect ending. Like you want there, except for Wit. Wit, you did it. You did it. Wit. Like I was like when I was gonna write a book about how no one gets the perfect ending. <laughs> you end up with you know, there's like three dudes, like you and Jerome Bettis are like the only dudes that end up and hold the Lombardi and walk off. You know, and and you even had to you know leave Cincinnati, which you probably did. You did you envision your career ending here, or had was there a point in time when you when Carson's thing happened where you're like you know you just or Peyton? We no, like, I, I never always know. thought I would end here. I yeah. really did. I always thought I would end uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And, and what's wild is even going through that story when we got to free agency, um, I can remember like the Bengals had offered me like a one-year deal for, you know, basically half of what every other team in the NFL had offered me. And then their deals were like two and three years with lots of guaranteed money. So what even in the vicinity of close – and I was still, I can remember, I took my family and my in-laws were in town, my wife and kids and, and in-laws, and we went to precinct for dinner. And we got like a private room so we could sit in there and just listen to the offers, listen to what's going on and make a decision. And I was like, you know what, like, 
Melissa and I both were like, let's just stay. Like, forget it. Let's just stay. Who cares? And we were like, hey, this is, you know, we I talked to Marvin. I kind of told him what was going on. And like, I was like, dude, I've been blown away by these offers. It's crazy. And I can literally remember as soon as I could communicate, my agent was literally like, man, the, the one thing I will tell you, just being honest with you, and it's not about money, is that the tone is the difference. And he's like, what I'm hearing from you. And I was like, yeah, I said, every time I talk to the team, it's like, we want you to come back, but for this. Mm-hmm. And every time I talk to every other team, it's like, we would be honored and humbled for you to just walk in our building. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's what it came down to me is I was like, you know what, if they would have just said, you know what, like you deserve so much more than this, but this is where we're at. And dude, like it would break our hearts for you to leave. I'd probably still be a bank. But at the end of the day, it was like, we're going to take the tough approach. And I had six teams that literally would get down on their knees and beg for me to walk in their building. And that's really what it came down to. At the end of the day, I made the decision. People can talk about money all they want. I had made plenty of money. It wasn't about that. I, it, to me, it was about the vibe. And, and so I never thought I'd leave, but it just came down to like, you know what? Like, if you're not willing to just say, hey, how bad we want you, then I'm going to go somewhere else. And so it, it was tough to do. I mean, we, we were brokenhearted for a while. I mean, I think for us now, getting to come back here is my first time this week. My family, wife, and kids have been back since free agency. And we've had a great time. And it's been good to go around and see people. And we love this place. And we'll always love it. So so a couple of things. With, uh, <clears throat> you know, with, uh, Pat Dye was my agent out of college, first starting out, too. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. Another master, parallel. Master, it lasted about uh about eight nine months and we we cut there it off. Yeah. I, I think I was I think I was Pat's first big uh, big player. He he had represented okay. a bunch of second and third round guys. I was the first first rounder, and I ended up changing going to Eugene Parker. But you know, obviously now yeah. Pat's a super super agent right now. But um, I think I probably messed that up for a wit because I remember when I signed re-signed in two thousand six, his rookie year. That was my third contract with the Bengals. And they have never, ever signed anybody. I was 31 years old in 2006. They had never signed a 30-year-old player. And I remember David Fulcher walking in the locker room one day telling me, he said, man, he said, I sure wish they had let me play uh, into my 30s. And I never knew what he meant until a couple of years later. I thought about it. Damn, they never really signed anybody at 30 years old. So they signed me that year. I made the Pro Bowl. That's my last Pro Bowl. And um, made the All-Pro team that year. But the following year, with second year, no, I got hurt that year with because yep. Sam, Sam, big ass, tried to toss me. Sam Adams tried to toss me in pregame warm up. We was playing the Raiders, his old, his favorite, his old team. He got all hyped up and tried to try to hip toss me in warm up, and I reversed him. But I felt all three hundred and eighty freaking pounds of him on my foot, and my foot cracked. Remember that? Yep. And I walked in the locker room before the game, and doing it was doing pregame. I told Paul Spartan, I said, "Yo, something bad has happened." I don't know what, but my foot just cracked. I heard it pop. And so I played hurt the rest of that year. The second year, I get hurt again in Seattle. So, but I took it. It was a contact injury. It wasn't like an old man injury. I got hit. But I think my experience with them, them paying a 30-year-old guy probably made them hesitant with Whit. But what the Bengals didn't know was, I think Andrew Whitworth was the start of the new age athlete being able to take care of themselves. You know, the practices started to get a, little, a lot easier and, and guys started understanding how to play longer and take care of themselves with different signs and diets and things that, you know, we had no clue of. So 
their yes. experience with 30-year-old players just wasn't a great experience. You know what I mean? And I, I probably made that, you know, <laughs> a bad thing with them because they had just paid me. And I never played the full season again after my contract. <laughs> so, but my thing is, I wonder now, did the Andrew Whitworth experience change their mindset now? How they look at guys and will they evaluate older guys differently because of Andrew Whitworth? Because I know they probably evaluated Andrew Whitworth off of my experience, being me being a 30-plus-year-old player. So now I always wonder would the Bengals look at guys differently now because of Andrew Whitworth? Yeah, that's been one, honestly one of the coolest things from that experience. I mean, you look at it uh, from Dwayne Brown to, I mean, even Peters to mm-hmm. other guys now, Trent Williams signing the big yep. deal. Like, what's been really cool for me is to, to kind of be uh, a little bit of the person who kind of started that. I mean, nobody yep. really signed significant deals yep. at 34, 35 years old. And, I, I mean, so many of those guys have reached out just like, hey, dude, you opened the whole door for this. Yes. Like, yep. crazy. And so – um, that's been really fun, like to see it, you know, people start to respect the fact that these guys can last longer and they can take care of their bodies. And I think it's been great because it's only done great things for offensive linemen getting yes. paid and increasing the amount of guys around the league that are respected. I mean, from a veteran standpoint, it's hard to walk away from a 30 year old veteran lineman now. And yeah. you would have never said that no. you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Wade, I would love to. Actually, I think I've got an idea here for you. Well, let's just take every time an offensive lineman who's 34 or older signs a deal, you get 1% of it. I'd love it. It's <laughs> yours. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You and, earned and, it. Oh, and that trickle down to me, though. You got to trickle down to me. Right. I'll give you a little you kick, kick it back oh, to Willie. You take, we'll give Willie 30, 32 to 35, and I'll take 30 to 35. His I deals will be bigger. I need, I need a cut. More. <laughs> All right, let's just take a quick break. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
I don't want to, you know, end this without us giving a chance to talk about this current Bengals offensive line team because this city loves to talk about offensive line play. And here I have two legends of offensive line play that understand this Bengals offensive line uh, very well. I'm curious if I can just if I can just nitpick in your brain a little bit, a little your little bit of your thoughts on the new Bengals offensive line and some of the discourse that is surrounded. And I guess Bengals fans would just want to ask you, is it going to be okay? That's what they would say. <laughs> They're going to be fine. They, you know, I, I think it's one of those deals you look at it, you really have almost – well, really you do have four new guys playing with Jonah. And so that takes time, man. I mean, anytime you've got all new guys playing together, especially in an offense like this where you like to drop back and you like to get an empty – I mean, there is a lot of communication and a lot of, hey, we all got to be in the same depth and levels and switch offs and all this stuff um, that just takes time. And you got to have some patience. But I made this point last week and it's still a fact. And, and I get it that you put some money into the O-line. But last year at this time, the turnovers and sacks aren't much different than they were at this time last year. And the only difference in your season record last week before they played the Jets, people are acting like the world's ending, was a last-second field goal in overtime against the Vikings. Like, other than that, you laid a complete egg in Chicago week mm-hmm. two, had a horrific game. There's no difference. Like, you still went to the Super Bowl. Like, just calm down. Like, we, we have a long season, especially now. It's 17 games. I mean, there's so much room for making a run now. Any of these teams that are – even if you're 0-3 and you're the Raiders, like, it's a long year. And injuries – look at what happened to the Chargers this past week. Injuries add up. you got a long season to play. So, like, just give people time, give them a chance, get on the same page. What do you think, Willie? Yeah, definitely, though. Um, piggybacking off of that, you know, even the Steelers. The Steelers not the same team just a week ago. And they, <laughs> they came in, you know, they, their whole season probably turned around right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For, the, for the downward part. But – I think Whit would tell you this, too. We always said this. For some reason, playing offensive line in Cincinnati is probably the hardest damn job in football. I don't, I don't know why it is. Like, we get – the offensive line in, in Cincinnati gets scrutinized more than anybody. I think it's because we always have those, you know, hero quarterbacks. You know, we had Carson Palmer. You know, you got the number one pick, and the pressure, the pressure on you to protect these guys is high because fans are, you know – you know, say what you want about Carson. When Carson was here, the Bengals, the Bengals fans had the same love affair they had for Joe Burrow. Yep. You know what I mean? The exact same. California guy, probably more, because he was a California guy and, and the media, media darling. Um, the pressure to play here is so high, man. And like you, we're always following the footsteps of greatness because of you know Anthony Munoz and you know Whitworth has to be compared to me. And then every guy who played at Whitworth, well, he's not Andrew Whitworth. You know what I mean? So. That pressure is very high, man, and, and we all know that. We we knew it when we played here, and we know it now in retirement. That it's just it's a it's a fan base that expects a lot out of our offensive linemen. And um, what I always say is, okay, you expect a lot, so so give us a lot of credit when we do play well. Give us the same give us the same kind of credit you give the quarterbacks credit because you know you guys know when we're not playing well, you know that that kind of impacts the team. But when we do play well, as it did last week, the team does great things. So. Mm-hmm. Give these guys some love, man. And like, like we say, it is four new guys. You got to give them time. <clears throat> I thought last year, even though the pass blocking was, was was up and down, when it was time to run the ball in key moments, that, that team last year, you know, they busted some holes. You know, 
they, they probably would have beat Whitney if they kept running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think really that's to me. People keep talking about the pass pro and stuff, but the more alarming thing to me is has been the inability to run the football because yes. eventually that's what's that's what's going to matter. I mean, yes. you're, you're going to have to be able to do that some, and you and you got a guy in Joe Mixon who's an unbelievable football player. Um, you're going to have to find a way to get the running game involved because you can't sit back there and empty all the time and throw the football. Yes. Um, you're going to have to find ways to be more efficient in the run game. And not only that, but, you know, being honest, you want to have less stressful downs in the passing game. Get it to third and four or less instead of third and eight, mm-hmm. third and seven, third and nine. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things as O linemen and, and offensive groups. I think to me, if I had to tell them anything that really has to be an emphasis is like the efficiency with which we play offense has got to be better. You know, we're, we're making it about these one, this one play here, this one play there, it's a sack, but it's really about, are, are we being very efficient every down on offense and being able to methodically drive the ball? Because when you get these teams, they're going to play cover two or they're going to play cover four, or they're going to back off and keep the ball underneath them. You've got to be efficient to have any chance and be in front of the chains. And that's really what they're getting right now. So it's like, the, the big plays are going to come because you have explosive players, but how do you become really efficient down in and down out? I told guys, man, I say, Carson used to be in the huddle screaming like, we got to freaking run the effing ball versus cover two, guys. <laughs> if it's cover two, I can't throw it around the field versus cover two. We got to we gotta run the football to bring them out of that cover two. And that what we were good at, man. You know, and with Whitworth and, and myself, like you know, he played his entire career doing this. I played my entire career doing this. Paul Alexander never gave us chip help. Like, he literally told us, I'm not helping you guys out. There's no help. And that made you a better player. That that made Will a better player. Made myself a better player. <clears throat> because you learn individually <clears throat> how to first dominate your guy individually. And then once all five guys are thinking about that, that helps you kind of gel as a group. But you know, even when teaching my guys now, you know, you teach guys now, you have to learn to dominate individually first. And yep. then as a group, the guy next beside you, like I, I told, I remember when you I came up here. And uh, Whitworth and um, God dog, what's your left guard name? With um, Clint Bowling, God dog, Clint, man, my, my mind's crazy. Clint, and it was on the other side was Cedric Abohi and Zeitler. So I was at practice watching practice, helping guys out. And I told Paul, I say, I said, look at the interaction Whit and Clint have after every play. They're laughing, joking, you know, talking about some football, talking about something else. They're laughing. And then you look at the other guys behind the huddle. They're both, you know, they stressed out. Like, they're not talking to each other. They're both in their own head. I say, that's the reason that side is having problems because the communication, like, you see Witt and Clint, they can pass off TEs and ETs with their eyes closed. Yep. These two guys over here, one guy standing here, Cedric standing here, looking in space. Zeitler thinking, of, you know, you know how Zeitler was. Zeitler getting his own head. He, he's trying to figure out his stuff because he, he, he plays at a high level, but at a young age, he wasn't that communicative guy. You know what I mean? So when you see two guys like that on the same side that are gelling, you know, Clint, I mean, Clint and Whip are like, they're, they're brothers, like for life. And that was the same way with me, with Mike Golf, with, with Bobby Williams. Like we just- You didn't, you didn't even have like, calls. You just say their name. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> say their name. Clint. Clint, that could mean all kinds of stuff. That could all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. All, and he knows I'm, exactly I'm, what I'm it call, means when you say it. I'm going to call Bobby. I say, Bobby, like, already, already, yeah, already. already. <laughs> that's that's amazing, guys. This has been uh so yes. much fun, so great. Uh, to, to catch up with you, do you uh, uh, wit, have you this will be the first teammate 
that you see go into Ring yeah. of Honor, Hall of Fame, right? Because you've never, you know, no Bengals have gone into the no. Hall, un- unfortunately. Uh, and, and now what's it going to be like for you watching Willie, uh, Willie's name get unveiled on Thursday? Have you thought about that? Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. I can't wait. Um, you know, obviously being somebody who knows what impact he had on my career and to get to see him have this moment because nobody deserves it more to me uh, is going to be so cool. But, you know, his legacy, you know, obviously will be carried on as Ring of Honor, but it's carried on in so many other ways. I mean, if I told this after the Super Bowl, if you went in the Los Angeles Rams O-line meeting room today, right now, and said, you know, who's Willie Anderson? There's not a single guy in that room, including Kevin Carberry, who wouldn't be like, let me pull up the five plays that we've watched of Willie Anderson last season. Like last season, we would start meetings. Kevin Carberry would start because I showed him some plays of Willie that I used to love. Yeah. And we would start meetings off and talk about Willie Anderson. Like, hey, it's a <laughs> Willie Anderson kind of day. Blah, 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 blah. Like, those guys know exactly who Willie Anderson is um, because of his impact on me. And, and they could tell you all about him, you know. And so I think to me, it's just going to be unbelievable to watch him have his moment and get to be there and be a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, hey, the first of two with. Hopefully yeah. the first of two. That's what no, this needs to be. No. One needs to be up the highway here before too long. Hey, same, same way with me too, guys. You know, all my kids in my academy. You know, we we had fifteen kids sign scholarships last year. You know, they they haven't seen me play before, so they all would tell you. You see these guys there. They're across the country, Tennessee's, Alabama's, Georgia's. They're they're everywhere. They all know Andrew Whitworth is. They 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 know what the standard is. I compare everything we do to is to Andrew Whitworth. That's that's no lie. Every kid would tell you that. My college kids would tell you that. Um, Paris Johnson right now at Ohio State, we're hoping to be a first-round pick. He mm-hmm. absolutely loves Andrew Whitworth. <laughs> You've never seen Willie Anderson play. You know what I mean? And I've been knowing PJ since he was 13 years old. But he's watched every Andrew Whitworth game. I sit in film on Andrew Whitworth. And um, just to see that that Whit is a name that these young linemen are are taking to their, 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 their repertoire, I'm so proud of that man and proud of his career and the things he represented for me and, um, you know, and, He's always saying great things about me. I'm so appreciative of it. And uh, that's my brother. Yep. I, t- I took Will on his first private jet. Um, his he did. <laughs> what? <laughs> Probably like my second plane ride, much less my first uh, <laughs> private jet. Where'd the private jet go to? What was the ride? What was the occasion? Uh, Willie, Willie Anderson Camp down in Alabama. Oh, there you go. I promise I promise all the rookies I was buying them something. I like, like, I'm not buying y'all a damn thing. I'm, I'm buying y'all this, this airplane ticket on this jet. Yeah. <laughs> so Willie, you know, Willie live, they got beaches in Alabama. Willie don't he don't live we anywhere. Definitely anywhere. Have beaches. Uh, we definitely have beaches. He lives way up in Mobile. They yeah, definitely, the beach, but that beach that beach is considered in Mobile. What are you talking about? We got beaches. <laughs> <laughs> We're surrounded by they water, brother. Claim that he's from the beaches and, and we're, sur- and we're surrounded by water, Gulf Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been to Mobile, Willie. That's not a destination. Okay, right. <laughs> hey, chill out, guys. Hey, it's guys like y'all that it's guys like y'all that ran the Senior Bowl out of Mobile. Like y'all complaining about <laughs> no activities. They're, they're moving the NFL. The Senior Bowl still gonna be played there, but they're moving the NFL teams to Vegas this year because everybody complains. We got beaches and. Gumbo and seafood, y'all missing out, man. I hear you. Uh, big game this weekend, uh, by yeah. the way, isn't there? Isn't there a big game this weekend? I believe. Uh, not not Bengals Dolphins though. Is it Auburn LSU this weekend? LSU is. Auburn yes. is this weekend. Huh. Big week. We 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 dominated those guys when I was in college, man. I don't. You know. I'm sure. It's funny you say that because uh, Auburn's looking for their third straight win against LSU. That hasn't happened since you were there, Willie. 
There you go. If, wow. If they do that, they, if they do that, it may calm some of that noise down there because we're in trouble down there, boy. Good God. <laughs> we're wait, in trouble. Wait, wait you got to go get LSU right, too. Go get that figured out. That's a whole other story. Yeah, that's a whole other. We need a whole other hour for that. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much, yes, Willie. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Wit. Have a great broadcast. Uh, great to see all the success you guys are having, and uh, thank you so much for doing it the right way and hanging out with us for a little bit. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Love you, Wit. Love you, boy. All right, love you, man. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.